Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by Lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of online video courses, including a wide range of photography topics and skills. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, visit Lynda.com slash TWIP. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TWIP. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the fast and easy cloud accounting solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You can try FreshBooks right now for free. Just go to freshbooks.com TWIP and enter TWIP in the How Did You Hear About Us section for a free trial. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by StickyAlbums.com. Do you want to book more clients? Nothing boosts your word-of-mouth referrals like giving each of your clients their own custom photo app. You can create your first app in minutes at StickyAlbums.com. This week on TWIP, a Photo Plus Expo recap, plus Mylio offers up a new way to organize and access all of your photos, Plus, Pixelmator comes to the iPad and a discussion about Ello and social networking for photographers. It's Monday, November 3rd, 2014, and this is Twitter. And welcome back to This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss the world of photography and more are Mr. Doug Kay and Mr. Thomas Hawk. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, hey. Doing good. Great, Frederick. Good to see you. This is, this is going to be a great show, guys. There's some cool stuff to talk about. Um, and we've got Thomas Hawk on the line, so you know where this conversation is going to go. We're going to social media and some cool stuff like that. Thomas, you haven't been on in forever. I, I think it's it was like 20, you know, 2009 or something last, last time you I were on. I, was, I thought I was banned from the show. You are not banned from the show. <laughs> you are not banned. You're never banned. What, what's been going on? What's been going on in the world of Mr. Hawk? Uh, you know, I've just been taking a lot of pictures, running around the country, different cities here and there, different events, different things, doing all that, and same stuff I always do, and posting stuff and publishing stuff online, and yeah. you know, Google Plus and Facebook and Flickr and now Ello, which we'll talk about a little bit, but uh, We're, a little bit. We're going to talk about that a lot, bit. You know? <laughs> I like and it. all those and the and the aforementioned social media networks as well. <laughs> I, yeah, sure. You, yeah, I feel like there. you you have your finger on the pulse of all this stuff. So I need I need to, to take the pulse of the the state of the industry with you. So we will uh, we'll dive into that. Also on the show is Mr. Doug K, a host of All About the Gear. What's up, Doug? Uh, not much. I haven't seen you for five hours. Four hours. <laughs> <laughs> we so recorded what, what, an episode of All About the Gear today. What do we talk about today, Doug? What what camera? The Nikon D750 today. And I had to, I had to look across the room to remember because there have been so many cameras. Yes, yes. So, so what's what's up in the world of that K? Yeah, well, I've been doing a lot of teaching. That's really been keeping me very busy. And of course, all about the gear because uh, Photo Plus Expo being over, we're catching up. We we just published the LX100 Lumix LX100 show, and 
Uh, a few days after this episode goes live on TWIP will be our Nikon D810 review, which I'm looking forward to getting getting people yelling and screaming about. So been, yep. been, been busy. And, and then we're doing that iMac 5K show you and I are going to do together. Yes, yes. I'm really interested to get your thoughts on that. Mine is sitting right here. I have some thoughts. Thomas, have you seen the new iMac 5K? I'm looking at it right in front of me right now, baby. <laughs> we, could, we, could, we, could, we could just do that show now, right? Good I know. We got three of them right here. Let's do it. <laughs> wow. Best best computer ever. I love right? it. Uh, oh. You know what? People call wow. me a fanboy. I, I will happily accept the label of fanboy when it comes to this particular computer because I can honestly say of all the computers – that I've owned so far, uh, this has got to be the best looking and most powerful and cleanest one that I've ever had. So I got I to say one thing top. about this. One thing about this computer, though, I've got a print competition tomorrow night, so I had to fire off three prints for that. Yeah. And they look like crap compared to my screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Because on the screen, everything's gorgeous. I mean, just Well, you know gorgeous. what? You need to write a letter to Epson or Canon or whomever and say, hey, you guys need to get on it with those retina printers because we need Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> <laughs> we got to keep up. Come on, you know. It is good. It is so clean. Everything looks so amazing. I just, even, yeah. even Thomas Hawk look, looks good on my screen. <laughs> you know, yeah. this I got to say, not to spend too much time on this computer, but... When I booted this thing up, what was it, last Friday when I got it and took it out of the box? You know that screen that comes up with Yosemite on it? The, that, when I saw that screen, that was the first time I had to, like, sit back in my chair and say, really? <laughs> you know? Even the little things, you're, like, reading text, and you're like, wow, I just want to stare at these letters. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like print, on-screen yeah. print. Yeah. It's Lovely, just... but... That's a different topic. We'll talk about that in that All About the Gear show. But suffice it to say, we're all, all three of us are happy with our computers so far. Yeah. All right, gents, before we jump into the show, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our friends at lynda.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills, explore new hobbies with their easy to follow video tutorials and more. Whether you want to learn how to use Photoshop, improve your photography skills, or manage your photos, lynda.com offers thousands of courses in a variety of topics. They give you everything you need to improve your skills. They offer a variety of instruction. You can learn software, creative business skills, photography techniques, web design, and more. They've got over 2,400 courses, and they keep adding more every single week. They work directly with software companies so that they can provide timely training, often on the same day that new versions are released, so you're always up to speed on the latest and greatest features. And they offer courses for all levels. They add new courses each and every day, and their courses are taught by industry experts. Their instructors are accomplished professionals at the top of their fields. Their videos are made in state-of-the-art studios. They're not homemade YouTube videos. These are courses are professional, they're convenient, and you can access them at any time from your computer, your tablet, your mo mobile device, or whatever you need. The cool thing is their courses are broken down into bite-sized pieces, so whether you have 15 minutes or 15 hours, you can learn at your own pace, and 
and on your own terms. And you get all of that for one monthly price of $25 for unlimited access to the entire course library. And on the TWIB side of things, with the latest changes to This Week in Photo, I found myself needing to get up to speed on Adobe Audition, their audio editing software. So my first stop was to YouTube so that I could kind of get a good overview of the software and the different cool features that are in there. So I did that. But then when I wanted a deeper understanding from a professional's perspective, I turned to lynda.com. It really was that simple. And now I'm pretty much up to speed on the new software. So I've worked out a deal with lynda.com to provide you with a special offer to access their entire library for free for seven days. Just visit lynda.com slash twip. You can try lynda.com for free for a full seven days. Once again, that's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash twip. And here's a look at what's happening this week on the TWIP Network. Over on All About the Gear, Doug and I review the Lumix LX100. Over on Street Focus, Valerie has another installment of Streets of the World. This time it's Hamburg with Marco LaRousse. And we just launched TWIP's newest show. It's called Your Itinerary, and it's hosted by travel photographer Rob Knight. You can check out the latest episode where Rob interviews Juan Pons. All that and more is happening this week on the TWIP Network. You can subscribe to all of our shows over at thisweekinphoto.com slash subscribe. Let's jump into the news. First up, Photo Plus Expo, which I just got back from last night after being stuck midway at Midway in Chicago. <laughs> I was stuck at Midway, Midway between here and uh, New York for two hours because Southwest said their radar was broken on the particular plane that I was flying in, so they had to like put a new one in there before they could fly us over the Rockies. But I'm here now. Photo Plus Expo was good. It was, you know, I spent time in the Panasonic booth. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff that I saw announced. There was uh, this Milio thing that we're going to talk about a little bit. But in terms of gear, lighting, all that stuff, it was just kind of a physical manifestation of stuff that you probably read about online already. Now, you guys, did you guys hear anything differently, you know, through the interwebs about what happened at Photo Plus? Uh, you know, I heard a lot of people talking about it, and, and to me, it sounded like a lot of it was the social side of getting together and hanging yeah. out. You know, oh, the parties are crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah, hanging out with a lot of cool people. And as far as what was there, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, I shoot Canon, so you know, I saw Canon was doing their 70 Mark II, I guess. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's that, I mean, there's nothing that I saw. I mean, Olympus had uh, a couple of new lenses, right? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, some stuff like that, but uh, I didn't uh, I didn't see anything that was really groundbreaking. Yeah. Doug, what about you? Did you see anything exciting and new? Well, I I actually had to go and dig up what was announced there and I I think people I think vendors now don't actually save their announcements for Photo Plus because Yeah. Um, Photokina, right? Photokina is like a couple yeah, of weeks before. Even that, there's too much competition for attention. You're better off getting your announcements out a week or two before those shows, and yeah. getting some getting some press. Other than you know, you go to those shows and you know you got 200, 300 vendors all with press kits, you know, and mm. no one's going to pay any attention. I think Thomas hit on a good one. I think Olympus has got this new 300 millimeter f4, which is you know a 600 millimeter equivalent. Looks pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the 7D Mark II, the Nikon D7, all, all these came out before the show, right. but um, but I was looking at somebody's wrap-up of of all the major announcements, 
And the one that struck me was the fact that uh, Canon hat was offering their lens cleaning service at the show. <laughs> I said, well, no, they all it, were. It, it, Canon yeah. was. Sony had engineers in a little plastic booth where you could bring yeah. your camera in for calibration. Panasonic was doing the same thing. Yeah, so maybe if, if that's that, what these shows are for, maintenance. <laughs> yeah, but if that makes the highlight reels, that doesn't say much about the show, does it? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, Thomas, I want to ask you about this. So... You've been shooting for a while. You've been you've been to many and many of these shows. It, why can't we have a show that has something groundbreaking and monumental? You remember like the old days of Macworld, where you know yeah. you go in there and that's where you learn about the new iMac and all this stuff, and you'd like be jazzed to get on the show floor to see it and touch it and all that. Are those days over now because the web is here or what? I don't know. I guess you know it's like what is the next groundbreaking technology, right? Yeah. I mean. Epson Epson had some scanners there, right? Okay, great. So yeah. that's cool, right? The, the yeah. scanner's a little bit better than the last one. Yeah. Uh, it's just not, but nobody's doing any, it, it feels to me like nobody's doing any really groundbreaking sort of work or some new paradigm. I mean, Olympus has a better lens. Canon has a better body. Uh, incremental, incremental, yeah. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. So I, so I, I mean, I don't know. I always look at things like, uh, you know, at these sorts of events as really more of an opportunity to network and talk to people and hang out and have fun and party and, you know, do all that stuff. Yeah, why don't we, we should, we should call a spade a spade and just do like have a, a yearly big party for photographers, you know, <laughs> that, you know, it's just a series, like a Mardi Gras for photographers. It's a series of, of ongoing parties for three days, you know, where you meet and greet and, you know, almost like uh, South by Southwest for photographers. Yeah, How about right? we do that? Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Scott sounds- Kelby has one. He calls it Photoshop World. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, and it's in Las Vegas, which is an ongoing party, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's own party. He, yeah, even provides, uh, he even provides the music. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Doug. What do you What do you think? I mean, are these trade shows? You know, because there's it's a lot of money to go to these trade shows. You got to fly there. Then there's the accommodations, and you know, then the outlay for food and all that stuff. Are you know, in arguably, you could get all the information online. Is the value add, like Thomas was saying, the the social aspect? And for some people, you know, they're maybe antisocial, so they wouldn't even get that. You know, what do you think? Well, I I don't go to show. Spent 25 years in high tech, and got so burned out of you know Comdex and things like that that I oh, yeah. I hate them. I I will avoid those shows at almost all costs. That's me personally. Um, I because would much you're, the, rather, you're a misanthrope, right? You just hate people generally. <laughs> it's it's not that I know I love the people. I I love to get together and socialize. You know, go on a Thomas Hawk photo walk. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you know that's a lot of fun. But uh, these shows are about the most inefficient way to do almost anything. And yeah. of course, the, all my bad experiences predate the web pretty much. God, I'm old. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Wait, you know, how do you I, predate the web? I mean, come on. That was like, how do you predate the, the web? Are you kidding? The web, the is web like was created new. by the military in what, 1960 or something? The, I mean, come the, on. Web is the, the web is the new thing. Are you kidding? It's it's happening now. Uh, but I, yes. I, uh, I'd I rather get online and learn stuff that way and, you know, listen to you. I, you know, so that's just me. I don't, I don't do trade shows. I, I skip them. Yeah. I hear you. All right, before we, we, we I, I want to center this conversation. As we were saying before I, I started recording, um, I want to center this conversation a little bit on social media and kind of the state of it with you guys. Both of you guys are, are active on social media, so I want to kind of dive into that. There's some new players there that a lot of photographers are wondering about, so I want to talk about that a little bit. 
Um, but continuing the discussion about Photo Plus Expo, one of the announcements there was a company called Mylio, um, which they offered up kind of an interesting new service. Uh, Mylio is an acronym for My Life is Organized, and they launched at the show describing their value add as kind of merging the organizational capabilities of Lightroom um, with the sync capabilities of Dropbox across all your devices and all that. When I when I first looked at it, and I got an email from them early on, and I was looking at it, I was like, oh, man, that, that looks cool. And sitting through one of their presentations at the show, it still looked cool. But I'm... You know, I wanted to get you guys, get your, your thoughts on it. I know you probably watched the video that they have online and all that if you haven't played with it yet. But, you know, Thomas, on your side, you know, as you you are on your quest to, I forget what your main number is that you're trying to hit in terms of overall image acquisition. Um, but a service like this, a million, right? So a service yeah. like this with your established workflow, would this fit into what you need, you know, or is this like a... Is it a uh, cure in search of a disease? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what I read about the service, and I, again, I I don't know exactly, but one, it seems like um, they've got like three levels, right? They've got a basic yeah. uh, and a standard and an advanced. And I think like the basic's like 50,000 JPEGs and the standard is 100,000 JPEGs and uh, the advanced plan will, will do up to 500,000 JPEGs. Mm. Well, I mean, my problem is I've got millions of raw files, yeah. So if, you know, 500,000 JPEGs, that, okay, that sounds kind of interesting, but, um, you know, it, as far as my needs, I mean, I think, I don't think it could handle what I've got. I, but, you know, on, on, in defense of them, I bet you if you, if they see the show, they will probably reach out to you and give you a Thomas Hawk level account where they, you know, change that little variable to 4 million or something instead, <laughs> instead of what right, it defaults right. to for well, normal people. That, that's kind of my point too, because you know it's kind of like what 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 Flickr did, right? When they gave everybody a terabyte of storage, yeah. right? Yeah. And even though, and now pro accounts are unlimited. So yeah. I mean, it's like I think why set limits at all, really? Almost, you know, why set? I mean, because if nobody's going to hit them, or point zero 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 one percent people are going to have more than five hundred thousand photos, I would think if somebody has more than five hundred thousand photos, though, that might be the sort of person or spokesperson or ambassador. I don't know how you put it, but if someone's doing that much photography, you'd probably want them involved. I, I, you know, for me, um, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't had a lot of success with the cloud and putting large amounts of photos in the cloud. Mm. What have so, you tried so far, though? Uh, I've tried some of the backup plans and whatnot, you know, like Crash. Backblaze, all those guys, yeah. Yeah, all those things. And, you know, there was one for a while that was uh, unlimited, but then they throttled the the photos to the site, and um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds interesting as sort of a, a backup idea. I'm just not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at two Drobos here with 15 or 3, 5, what is it? No, 3 terabytes, yeah, 30 terabytes, and a Western Digital My Book with another 8 terabytes. So, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you do with that sort of data? And that's nothing against the service because I'm 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 the bleeding edge and I'm very very rare. Um, for a lot of people, that may be kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah, Doug. Doug, what about you? What What do you think? Of, so the MyLeo service does this fit into what you might use in your workflow? Well, first of all, I just realized I need to thank Thomas Hawk because. He's responsible for this uh, Thunderbolt Western Digital thing. Oh, Thomas yeah, did a great review of this, and one oh, of the reasons I, I bought, 
bought the new iMac was because I, my old one didn't have Thunderbolt and I ran out of storage. So I've got that same eight gigabyte, I uh, sorry, eight terabyte two drive unit. And uh, thank you, Thomas. I appreciate that on a personal basis. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's a great little unit, and uh, and with Thunderbolt is so fast, it gets yeah, stuff on great. there. Yeah. Yeah. Back, I have back, that. One, I have that one as well. So yeah, yeah, that's another thing we have in common: IMAX and that drive. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great, and that's and that's my. Well, we'll we'll talk about that another time. Anyway, so I actually did my homework today. I know I don't usually do that, but I went. I know what's going on. I I downloaded my Leo both for the Mac and for my iPad. Okay. And. I spent. Let me let me give the caveat here. I spent one hour, which means obviously I have a, uh, a a deeper understanding than some, but not as deep understanding as others, right? Sure. Um, it's it's slick looking. I ha actually saw some of the photos from Photo Plus. They obviously had a nice booth and a nice presentation. The app, both on OS 10 and on iOS, is very pretty. Uh, somebody did a great job graphically, but I have to say I was unimpressed with the functionality of this thing. Why? Um, well, because there are other ways to do the same thing that's that's better, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit too, I guess. But it's, yeah. you know, what does it do? So, it, for example, for me, I'm a Lightroom user. Okay, mm -hmm. so it will connect to my Lightroom folders. It won't connect to my Lightroom catalogs. Now, or, sorry, or our collections. That's very important. My Lightroom folders are where I keep all the original images. So if I shoot, you know, 5,000 pictures for a week, then, you know, it's going to pick up all the ones in that folder. I don't want that. I want my collections. I want my selected stuff. I don't want to put all that stuff on my iPad. Yeah. So, and it only does JPEGs. It doesn't, if you have a PSD file, uh, it doesn't pick it up at all. I mean, it might do the raw files, but like I edit a file in Photoshop, comes back into Lightroom, that doesn't show up in my Leo. I can't, I can't see it. I did um, see that it supports the raw files, so yeah. Yeah, raw files, yeah. But but if it's if it's been you know processed in Photoshop and brought back into Lightroom as a PSD file, you can't see it. So it's not a good way for me to display my portfolio or my galleries or anything like that. Um, it it did allow me some editing so I could do cropping and some things like that. It had some decent tools, but when the image and then the syncing is very, very fast, I would say that. Yeah. Very I quick. saw that on, the, on their, their demo video there. It seemed yeah. unreasonably fast. It was very good, but when the image goes back from the iPad to Lightroom, you have to manually import the metadata. You have to right-click on the image or right-click on the folder and say, you know, synchronize the metadata. Well, that's that's ridiculous. So, mm. I I hope we do hear from them. I'd love to be corrected. I accept the fact that I only played with it for an hour, but it didn't work for me. I'm gonna try to do I'll an be, interview I'll, with I'll them because be I because it seems there's a lot of heavy hitting photographers that I saw in the booth there and I spoke to offline like Robert Evans, celebrity wedding photographer, uh, Matthew Jordan Smith was on stage there talking about it in their demo video. I saw Scott Kelby and a bunch of other notable folks that uh, have have lended their endorsement to this they thing. Got the so. big, they got the big names out there, didn't they? A lot yeah. bigger than mine, but let yeah, me ask you. I mean, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, if it's good enough for Scott Kelby, you know. <laughs> yeah, so let me ask you this. What, what problem are they actually trying to solve? Are they trying to solve how do I look at my portfolio on my iPad? Are they yeah. trying to solve how do I synchronize my editing between Lightroom and my iPad? Mm -hmm. You know, what 
I don't really understand what's the main purpose of it, and then does it succeed at that purpose? I'm not convinced. Yeah, and that's one of the questions. You know, Tom, I want, Thomas, I want to have you you chime in on this as well. Is your workflow in general, it seems like the path of, of least resistance for a lot of this stuff is just Lightroom and Lightroom Mobile, right? So you, you create your app, you create your edits and collections in Lightroom and sync them through the Creative Cloud if you're a member, down to Lightroom Mobile on your mobile devices, and boom, there you have it. Is, are you doing that? No, no. I guess for me, what I'm doing, I've got Lightroom, right? And I've got, yeah. um, in the past, I mean, and even right now, I don't have all of my photos in Lightroom because I've tried importing them all before, and again, with millions of photographs, it slows down, it gets sluggish, you just can't do it. So yeah. I really don't use Lightroom as an organizational tool at all. Uh, again, I'm unique that way. But I use yeah. it as a processing tool. So I need to have fewer photos in there so it can process better, faster, etc. But for me, uh, you know, I do all the processing on Lightroom. And then for a lot of what I guess this service is showing, you know, like you want to have a place where you could show your portfolio or, yeah. or your best, your five-star rated photos, they say. Um, you know, I, I would just create a set on Flickr. And oh. you know, and just go through there. I mean, Flickr's on the iPad now. They they launched that on the iPad a couple weeks it's, ago. It looks beautiful, by the way, the Flickr app on the iPad. Yeah. yeah, it is. It looks really nice. But so you know, you have it on your beautiful interface on on the mobile, on the iPad, on the web, um, and uh, you get a terabyte for free. Right. So right. versus they for their advanced for five hundred thousand photos, they want a hundred dollars a year. Um, and I and agree, they have to charge something, and maybe Flickr, it's kind of absurd that they give you a terabyte for free, but they do. So it would be kind of like with everybody being able to connect to the web these days, if I was in somebody's office and, say, showing them, okay, this is this is some of my better work, or this is my set of photos that I took on Route 66 and started going through it, you know, I, I would probably tend to just go to the Flickr set. Yeah, but on Flickr, on Flickr, um, unless correct me if I'm wrong, you're still not getting that raw file backup, right? So that's strictly no. that's the JPEG display only portfolio right. type stuff. So Flickr, right, you I, could use Flickr for that, or 500px for that, or right. something like that, right? But yeah. I don't think I don't think Milio is selling themselves as a backup service, are they? That's not what they're doing. I don't think so, but they did mention that they support the raw file. So if they support right. importing of the raw files in the JPEG, then you can look at them as backup. Because why? Yeah, but, you know, why not? We've been through this. You know, I only have you know less than ten percent of the images that Thomas has, but there's no way an online backup service is going to work for me. I've tried it. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the it's upload too unwieldy. So you know, I don't know. I I I, I really hope we do. I, I'm happy to hear that I'm wrong. And I look yeah. forward to the email from all of our fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll hear about it. You know, hopefully we'll hear from the uh, from the Milio folks too, yeah. and we'll, uh, you know, give them equal equal uh, stage time to talk they about that. They certainly had an impressive launch, didn't they? They did. They yeah. did. They did. All right. The other the other uh, piece of software I wanted to talk about is Pixelmator. Um, it's on the iPad now, um, which is you know, arguably really cool because it was on the desktop. And Pixelmator is the kind of the less full-featured but awesomely beautiful version of Photoshop for people that don't want to spend all the money on the creative cloud but still edit photos. You still don't get, a, you know, obviously the deep dive into pixels, pixel-level DNA like you get with Photoshop, but it's good enough for a lot of people. Doug, have you seen Pixelmator? Have you played with it on the iPad? And then more importantly... Is this something that you might work? Is Pixelmator something you might work into your workflow on a daily basis? 
and and I did this one too. I'm I this, this I, homework. You're on top I, of you it. You are just you are. Did you bring me an apple? You're just teacher's pet today. What's going on? <laughs> well, I I uh, I installed the new Pixel Meter on my iPad and playing yeah. with it. It it's you know Snapseed is probably still the king of the hill on that. Yeah. Although Pixel Meter has some Pixel Meter has some really nice controls. Very well done. Very unique. Some of the unique ways of modifying settings and things like that. I like it. I think they did a real good job. Uh, I um, hear a butt coming. I hear a butt well, coming. It doesn't, it doesn't work into my workflow. It, you know, you got all these apps on the iPad that'll access your photo roll, whatever it's called in iOS. You know, yeah. well, I don't want apps that can get to all those hundreds of stupid selfies that I've taken. That's not. <laughs> that's not important to me. Uh, but. It does sync with iCloud. I, the new iCloud, finally, I think Apple has it right. iCloud's reasonably fast. But again, it doesn't sync with Lightroom. There's no interface to Lightroom. And I, in my workflow, I don't do any significant processing on the iPad. The iPad, to me, is an output device. It's a display device. So, But some I people just, do. Like Derek, Derek Story, the nimble oh, photographer... Yeah advocates shooting in the field, importing into the iPad, organizing there, and then syncing when you get back home. But that's the main bulk of the workflow is shooting in the field and shooting over to the iPad, doing your editing there. So, yeah, and that, that, he's, he's made a whole thing out of it. And I, Derek's great. I love him. And mm -hmm. how, how nice for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I that's I'm not with, for me. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think I'm with Doug. I mean, I just don't like processing on anything but a big screen for my serious work. And so um, now, in addition to the, the iMac here, the new iMac now, I've, you know, I've got a 15-inch MacBook Pro, which is much more powerful, obviously, than a tablet, and I do have a full version of Lightroom on that. So if I am in the field and need to make edits, for me personally, uh, again, I would go with, with Lightroom uh, and yeah. Photoshop because I think they're more powerful applications. Um, if I didn't have those, I mean, for $4.99 for an iPad, if that's all I had to use, this might be pretty cool. On my phone, I use, like Doug said, Snapseed, though. I think Snapseed is yeah. amazing for that. And, again, yeah, that's all free. Yep. So, you know, I don't know. Is this better than Snapseed? Mm, you know, I'll use Snapseed or Visco on the iPhone and, you know, some of these other apps that are free. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and then there's, you know, the one that's not free, four ninety nine for Camera Plus, which is pretty... That's a pretty – I just got deep into Camera Plus a little bit. I was sitting on the plane – or actually, no, I was sitting in a terminal in Chicago waiting on the plane to get fixed. So I was playing with Camera Plus. Camera Plus is insane. I mean, that that little photo app is pretty, pretty dang strong in terms of uh, the features that it comes built in. Plus, you can extend it with in-app purchases and all that. So if you yeah, haven't played I mean, with that – there's a lot out there. There's a lot out yeah. there. I haven't tried Pixelmator yet, uh, so so I don't know. But I can't imagine really like Doug. The the iPad for me is more of a display device, not a device to edit on. But that's just. Yeah. I hear you. Well, you know, I I suggest listeners and watchers give it a shot. Go download. I think you can you can play with it, um, or at least head over to their site and watch some of their demo videos. It's pretty interesting to to play around and see. You know, at the very least. Um, what could be an alternative to Photoshop for folks that can't afford or don't want to afford Adobe's Creative Cloud? What's that? Say that again. What do you lose? Five bucks. <laughs> right. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. A cup of coffee. Less than a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Right. All right, guys, before we jump into this, uh, the big discussion of this show, um, I want to thank the next sponsor of this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our friends at squarespace.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. And as a special promotion for the TWIP audience, Squarespace is giving away a full year of its most premium level service, and that's valued at more than 288 bucks to a randomly selected listener. All you got to do to enter is just tweet, quote, better websites for all, exclamation point, with the hashtag Squarespace TWIP to be considered. And if you currently have a Squarespace site, post your site URL too, and we might even talk about it on a future episode of This Week in Photo. And remember, Squarespace is constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. Plus, they've got their new metric app for iPhone and iPad that allows you to check your site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the fees started just $8 a month, and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year. So you can start your trial. You don't need a credit card to start building your website now. Then when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure you use the offer code TWIP to get that 10% off and to show your support for This Week in Photo. And we here at TWIP want to personally thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, it's everything you need to create an exceptional website. Okay, so social media is what I want to chat about. Thomas Hawk, you're on the show. You've got one or two followers on social media. Social media as a couple, one or two stragglers out there, as does Doug K. So, uh, Thomas, I'm going to throw this to you first. And I'm going to put a sharp edge on this discussion because this is this has been something that's bugging me right? right so i'm i follow you obviously i follow trey and a bunch of other really heavy hitting social media photographer juggernauts out there and i i pay attention to the ebbs and flows of where you guys are paying attention to google plus it seems like in 2013 was the place to be. That's where the party was. The music was thumping. You know, there's a line out the door to get in the club. <laughs> you know, you and you guys had table service in there. You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> it was all on. This year, I don't know. It seems like it's like Studio 54 a little bit. You know, it's not doesn't have its heyday like it had back in the 80s. It's a little bit kind of. The lights are coming up. Am I wrong or am I missing something? What do you think? No, no, I think I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, I I do love. I mean, I love all these sites, but you know, yeah. And I'm active on all of them, and I love Google Plus. Um, you know, Vic left Google Plus, right? So Vic yeah. Gundotra, who was the big cheerleader. I mean, this guy, Google I/O, not this past year, but the year before. I mean, he was up there. It was just Google Plus, Google Plus, yeah. Google Plus, a million times, and. And Vic was a very vocal cheerleader, and he was a fairly senior guy in the company. And you know, this was Larry Page's baby, and it, bonuses at Google were tied to it. And I think there was all of this momentum. And then, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think the, the product probably matured a little bit just naturally. It went from you know really uh, an iteration and innovation stage to kind of a all right, now this thing's developed. What are we going to do next? Um, but it felt like some of that momentum, at least to me, when Vic left, and you know, and who knows, you know, why did Vic leave, right? I mean, why yeah. was was he fired? Did he quit? Did he, you know, this was this is such an important product for Google, and here's the guy that's running it and and championing it, and he's gone. So I don't know, and we haven't heard a lot from it. 
No, um, nothing. And it's been an un- it's been a long time, right? I mean, it's been a while of waiting because you, like you're saying, when Vic was there, it was you know updates and feature lists and come this is coming and look at hey we just bought you know these guys and now you know they bought what was it on one now they're or who was it that that created Snapseed they brought that engine in there and it was yeah. just by the numbers hammering 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 almost like a startup and yeah. then lately over the past what four or five months or so it's been crickets you know and it's all and a lot of you know you look at the naysayers for for google plus and they're like google plus is the big joke kind of like all these other failed social media networks and i don't want to say that they're failed i want them to succeed you know oh, yeah, they- i do too i mean i love google plus you know i think i think part of it that's a little bit interesting is that it seems like any time that they try to really talk about the product or promote the product, um, it, people kick, kick back, you know, yeah. and they don't like it and they say, oh, it's a ghost town and it's this and that. And um, from my understanding is that actually outside of the U.S. that they are promoting it and that it's growing a lot still. Mm. Um, but it's more, you know, inside the U.S. where they've had, uh, you know, they've just they can't really promote it and market it very well. Because would have have they seceded the 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 battle to Facebook and said, okay, we can't win on your turf, which is mainly in the United States, so we're going to go outside. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that may be part of it, and. Um, you know, on the other hand, I think, you know, it is successful for what it does. I mean, there are still a lot of people using it. There's a lot of photographers on it all the time. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I think the other day they did try to do, um, you know, a little bit of PR. I can't remember what site it was. Was it the Next Web or one of those sites? Um, Dave Besbris, who's, who's the guy that's running in charge of it now, had uh, gone on there and did a little interview or something like that. Um, so I think that you know that they are trying to promote it a little bit, but uh, you yeah, know, the see, but is, a little bit. And Doug, I want to have you chime in on this too, because I'll, I'll tell you, yesterday, um, yeah, yesterday and the day before, I was in New York for the for the Photo Plus thing, like I said, and I went to Times Square. All over Times Square is the new Google ad campaign for Android. You know, it was like be the, don't be the same, be different, or whatever it was. Um, but it's an awesome ad campaign. Cabs are playing it in the video screens inside of the cabs as you're riding around town. I saw no mention of Google Plus anywhere, <laughs> anywhere. We're we're probably talking, you know, billion dollar ad buy here. No mention of Google Plus, which was sad. Doug, what about what about you? I mean, you you've been watching this stuff. You're online. You you know you've got your social media presences as well. You've seen the ebbs and flows with Google Plus. Are you seeing is the tide going out, or is it just you know perception? Well, I think probably all three of us. I know Thomas and I were both in Google Plus on day one. I think Frederick, you were probably there too. And mm-hmm. they really did a big push for photographers. So yeah. since it was the new kid on the block, I think all of us used Google Plus as a way to keep track of other photographers. My non-photographer friends are not on there. My non-photographer family members are not on there. But all my photographer friends are on Google Plus and still pretty active. And as as uh, you know, we're speculating a bit, as Thomas said, you know, Vic was really the guy behind all this. And at one point, Google was talking about Google Plus being the glue that would hold together essentially the identity aspects of all of their products. 
Mm-hmm. And my yeah. my sense, I don't have any inside information on this, but my sense is that that didn't work out for either technical or political reasons. Yeah. And Google Plus, somebody decided that it was not going to be the backbone of Google in terms of integrating identities and logins and person and you know that kind of stuff. And I think yeah. um, I think I think it's basically taken a hit inside the company. And there was there was, and, that, and there was the backlash against the integration of YouTube and the commenting yeah. fiasco. Remember that? Yeah, that, was a, that was a mess. Right. Yeah. So there was that, and then. You know, I I had read I don't, I don't have any inside information either, but I had read somewhere that there was the, you know, the um, integration or the weighting of search results based on the number of followers. For example, you know, I don't have as many followers as Thomas, so if I was to like something, it would theoretically not bubble up to the top of search results as if you know if if Tom and like Thomas liked something it would go up to the top millions of followers versus my thousands of followers right so yeah that seemed kind of plausible but I don't know you know it's uh it's the whole thing is just sort of iffy there's a big question mark around Google yeah, plus the, for the, me. the fact is that it, Google plus has failed to attract a large number of users like Facebook has I just looked at yeah. Thomas Hawk's numbers Thomas Hawk has 7.4 million followers on Google Plus. I've got a couple. Yeah. You got a couple. You got a couple. Yeah, but yeah. I want you to know that he's he's he has not yet reached 12 billion views. But I think not he's yet. about to in the next week. There are a lot of there are a lot of views, and again, I see like I say, I see more and more international users. Um, my account, because it's it was a promoted account by Google as well on the suggested user list tends to attract a, a broad range of people that are on the site. And I do see a lot of international users um, outside of the U.S. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the problem that Google Plus has always had is there's sort of this mentality that people say, you know, why do I want another social network? Why do I want to be involved with another social network? Yeah, yeah. And, which is and, which is that that's a perfect segue into this next piece because Thomas, I know you've moved, you haven't moved on to, but you've added another social network into your portfolio, as I have. Um, Doug, I don't know if you've joined Elo yet, but Elo is the new kid on the block, which then they're taking a slightly different tack towards social media. A lot of people are calling them the anti-Facebook because of their uh, their statement that they're they're not their product is not the user. You know, your user data is not their end product. And, you know, they've got a very flat sort of minimalistic design, which is attracting lots of people over there. Thomas Hawk, I know you've written, you were one of the reasons why I joined Elo after reading your post on it. Would, give, us, give us your overall thoughts on the network and how they fit into the, to your portfolio. Man, I am excited about Elo. I'm more excited about Elo than I've been excited about anything online for a long time. Wow. I think, and it's, it's small. It's still very, very small. I mean, uh, just to compare things, you know, I've got like 2,000 followers on Elo versus 7 million on Google Plus. So I mean, how do you, you know, how do you even compare those two two things? But Elo, I mean, if for me, the first thing that I notice about Elo is the quality of posts is a hundred times better than what you find on Facebook or other sites. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. The people that are there are serious photographers, they're artists, they're serious designers, architects, you know, all kinds of, I mean, not just people in photography or the arts. I mean, people like, you know, Clay Shirky, um, 
you know, they're writing, you know, doing, uh, you know, Jay Rosen, I mean, these writers and thinkers that are writing interesting things. Um, I mean, I just find it's a very, very strong group of contributors. And I think part of the reason why that's the case is because of some very specific design elements of the site. Uh, for example, the first one that I think is just brilliant uh, from a social networking standpoint is they've created this category called noise and mm -hmm. this noise bucket. And it's super, super easy to move anybody you want just by clicking on their avatar and dragging it into noise and it goes away for good. Yeah. I mean, not for good, but it's like, it's it's like you know Google came out with the new Gmail inbox you know and they have like the inbox and they put that social and promoted and everything yep. gets buried in there and you never see it and you really so they basically cleared it all out noise is kind of like that I mean once you so I think what that the message that sends to the contributors is look one don't overshare so don't post you know 50 different photos or some stupid status report about gee isn't this frozen yogurt good tonight you know, I mean <laughs> Do like take it seriously. Don't overshare and put quality stuff out there. Don't just throw up there, you know, oh, here are 30 photographs of the fireworks that I took last night at the park after I'd had a few drinks. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. Do a serious. So what I've noticed is the people that are posting on there are posting their very, very best work. They're oftentimes posting it with commentary. Uh, I mean, what I've been doing there that I that I really haven't done before is, I mean, most sites I'll just post photos, and that's pretty much it. I might explain a little bit about the photo, but I'm I'm really being a lot more thoughtful. I'm posting a photo. I'm talking about, you know, where did I take this photo? How did I make this photo? Was there software involved? Was it in camera? What did I do? And I think that creates a more meaningful experience for people that are consuming it. Um, and it's a, it's small today. It's a small audience. Um, it's not so much about a place, I think, to have your work seen by millions of people uh, because they won't. It's very small right now, but I think it could be big. And I, the whole anti-Facebook ethos, I think one of the reasons why they've grown as quickly as they have is because they got a lot of press. Just because of this, there's sort of this backlash against Facebook, you know, yeah. what Facebook does with your privacy and and you know Facebook sells your data and uh, you know I'm trying to get my home address off Facebook right now and I'm not having any success and you know I mean they're just you know Facebook is seen as this and they're promoting ads and throwing ads at you all the time and so versus Ello is this sort of clean ad free experience and photos are so big I mean photos and, you know it sounds like it sounds like what you're saying is like Ello is kind of the way you describe Ello is kind of how we described 500 px a while back you know in terms of people are putting their more considered and curated works up there versus the old Flickr where people were just saying hey here's a CF card full of everything I shot yesterday at the park I'm gonna dump it up there and crowdsource the vetting Right? Yeah. Are we are we are we seeing a, a similar kind of metaphor there? It's kind of like that, but I would say where it's different than 500px are one uh, text and images are kind of given equal footing. Mm. So and there's a lot of people that are that are just putting text up. In fact, they're not putting any images, whereas you couldn't see that on 500px. And the text that's going up there that accompanies the images or that's up there without images is very good and insightful and creative and thoughtful and and worth consuming. And the other big thing is, I think, that's kind of smart, again, I mean, 
500px, and I love that site too because it just looks visually, it looks beautiful stunning, uh, for photography. Yeah. It's stunning. You know, the whole way that they came to social, I mean, initially it was like, you know, oh, well, you can downvote these photos and you can give things thumbs down, and there's this whole voting process, and this stuff bubbles to the top, and there's this competition almost. This mentality, I, I don't know how social that is or was. Whereas yeah. LO, I think, is much more thoughtfully designed as a social network, where 500px was a great place to showcase your photos. It wasn't a, if you go to 500px, there's no social interaction going on. Yeah. You know, there's some and some comments, nice, but it's similar to the comments that you get on Flickr photos or other photos. Nice, you know, nice comp composition, beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. It's not any sort of interaction. Whereas LO, to me. I mean, one of the things they did that was really smart, I think, too, again, is they got rid of the like. They got rid of the like, the faves, the plus one, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't exist there. Yeah. So so really the only way – if I like Doug's photo and I see Doug's photo, the only way that I can let Doug know is to leave a comment. Mm. So yeah. what happens so is – It's not a popularity contest of let me see how many likes or plus ones I can accumulate in that – and if Thomas has more than I have, then therefore his image must be better than mine, and mine is no good, right? Right. So it's, I mean, you don't even if know. I comment on, if I want to comment on Doug's image, I better get in there and say, Doug, this is an amazing image. I love what you did with the composition. What were you thinking with blah, 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 right? Something right. deeper. Right. So there's a, this sort of deeper interaction, and what that does is what, – what I find it does is it creates more comments, because, you know, in the past, it's kind of, there have been a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this myself, you know, I'll be on Flickr, and I'm just kind of drive-by faving, you know, oh, look at that, that's cool, I like that graffiti fave, you know, oh, I like that abandoned Billy fave, 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 and it's kind of this <laughs> Drive-by faving, I love that. <laughs> like, you know, next thing you know, you've given out a hundred of them, you know, and it's like, yeah. you just, it's kind of, and uh, uh, who was it, Om Malik, I think, wrote a tweet the other day, and it was like, he put like the favorite like button is the new um, let's meet up of social networking. It's pretty much meaningless and nobody means it and it has no value. Yeah, like the, the point in the let's do lunch. Hey, let's do lunch. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like this is not, you know, it's not really, whereas if somebody has to leave a comment, they have to be, you're not going to leave as many comments. There's not, it's harder to be a drive-by commenter guy. You know, yeah. you got to sit there and say, okay, I looked at this photo, I considered this photo, this is what I think about it, I think this is interesting, and by, and, and so what that does is all of a sudden you're on the site and you're like, oh, wow, I just got, you know, 10 significant comments about my work. Mm -hmm. So that kind of encourages you to come back and, and want to do some more, and, you know, I just think there there's some thought that has gone into these elements of how a social network should work and what would make it more successful. And, um, you know, I, I like it. I, I think it's it's not a place, it's not a popularity contest like 500px is or, or you know, 500px, no, I shouldn't say popularity contest, but the whole voting thing at 500px and what's hot and this and that. And the other mm -hmm. thing that that does too, at least at 500px, is there's a certain style of photography, I think, that does very well there. And that's the style that is super polished, over-the-top, sort of mind-blowing photos of icebergs at the South Pole. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or some waterfall, long exposure, beautiful thing. But... 
a lot of that stuff to me, I get bored with it. I mean, there's a, so much of it out there, and I'm not saying it's not great work. It really is. There's some people that are doing some stunning things, but there's a lot of artists. You know, I mean, my biggest inspiration is William Eggleston, and he, you know, his stuff would do terrible in 500 px because it's like <laughs> this is, you know, this banal, you know, color composed photo of a shoe. Yeah. You know, it just wouldn't, it's not this sort of glitz, glamour, you know, the Trey Ratcliffe HDR stunner out there. And right. um, so for me, I think, Ello, what I found is I found a lot of artists that are doing really creative and interesting things with design, with color, with, um, you know, different ways than just this sort of over-polished um, sort of look that tends to bubble to the top at 500px. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting and we we knew it was coming, right? We knew that there there's Facebook and there's always another network coming because there yeah. was what, what before Facebook it was MySpace, before MySpace it was Friendster. Before yeah. Friendster, who knows? There was something else, you know, and and it just keeps going and going and going. Doug K, you've you've seen LO, I'm sure. What do you what do you think about the network? Is this is what Thomas is saying true in terms of of it being more of a you know the content that goes up there is more considered, and it's and it's the place where you go to get away from the liking or the drive-by liking. <laughs> what do you think? Actually, I don't know. Um, I realized when we decided to talk about this that when I first read about this from Thomas a while back, uh, I asked for an invitation and never heard from him. So <laughs> I am not. I have really? never Did been on LO. I know nothing about LO. You didn't and ask like me most. for one. What's that? You didn't ask me for one, did you? No, I just went to their website and they, oh, there's a request yeah. invitation button. Right. You better send me send me one now. I will. You should have asked. You have friends in places. You should have asked someone for one. You know Come what? On. I I I'm very interested because the the issues that the two of you have talked about are important to me. Uh, Facebook, I, I just I can't tell you how much I hate it. But you know I've got family on there and I've got to pay attention to the family. Uh, yeah. yeah. But. Um, uh, you know, and I've stopped using Twitter. Uh, I've, I've cut back on my social networking, but I'll tell you, I look forward to getting into something that sounds like what the two of you are describing. So probably like most of our listeners today, um, I'm learning a lot. I'm looking forward to giving it a try, but I can't uh, – I have no nothing to add to the conversation other than uh, – Well, no, I, I, I beg to differ. You do have something to add because I want to ask you how – you you have these multi social networks, right? Like you mentioned Twitter, which you're not using as much. You've got Facebook, you've got Google Plus, and soon, probably tonight, you'll have Elo as well. How do you manage these? <laughs> How do you manage all of these networks? Yeah, I want to have I want to ask both of you this. You know, you have you have all these net all these networks that people you have friends. Thomas, you on the extreme side have all these fans that want to see what you're doing and what you're up to. How do you keep up with it? You know, how do you manage to march towards your goal of a million while still appeasing the people that want to see what you're up to? Yeah, I guess. I mean, if, first of all, Frederick should have an invitation to Lo in his inbox right now. Oh, you so, mean Doug? Uh, yeah, I, I'm on. Doug, what did I say, Frederick? Yeah, Doug should have an invite. So yeah, it's there. It's there. <laughs> yeah, I just sent him one. So, um, uh, you know, for me, I guess. My workflow is such that, you know, Flickr is my main depository of images. That's where I've got, you know, almost 100,000 images up, you know, online there. Um, I post 32 images a day, generally speaking, to Flickr. Um, 
you know, I'm not really posting a lot of commentary. I'm just posting images there. Mm-hmm. And then, but I've got an archive of uh, 30,000 or so images that I haven't published to Flickr yet that are ready to go. And yeah. I randomly choose from those each day. So I have uh, Jeremy Brooks built this great little app that, uh, a randomizer app that, you know, basically you throw all these photos. I've got these 30,000 photos in a folder and it randomly chooses, um, you know, 16 of these images out of that folder and, and, and then I upload those. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, that it's is a great, really cool. Okay. Great little app. And then um and Facebook's where I or I'm sorry, Flickr's where I organize everything. So I keyword in Lightroom and then that populates to the images, the files, and uh Flickr picks that up in the metadata. And then Jeremy Brooks again built another little app called Supersetter, which is really great because it builds sets on Flickr based by your keywords or tags. So that's all automated. So I've oh, got that's you know cool. Yeah, like 2,000 albums of photos organized at Flickr. And not only will it take, this is, these are all your, you know, Coachella photos, but it will rank them by Flickr's interestingness algorithm, so you'll have your best ones at the top. So it's like, these are all your Coachella photo, uh, photos. And by the way, at Coachella, here is your Lana Del Rey set. And, you know, so it, it breaks it down by keywords. All you have to do is set up the keyword, and it creates these sets. So Flickr, that's kind of, and so much of that now is automated for me because of Supersetter, because of, of this sort of process. Then uh, Google Plus and Facebook, <clears throat> you know, I'll generally post three to five photos there a day, just, you know, random photos of mine, really, again, that I pull out and just manually upload. Um, and so that doesn't, t- that doesn't take all that much time. Now, is yeah. it? Do you have do you have a set time every day that you're doing this? Like, okay, when I get up in the morning before I have my morning coffee, yeah, I'm gonna do my my social media between this time and this time, and then I'm out. Or are you in and out every day, kind of doing stuff? Yeah, no, first thing in the morning every day I upload stuff every day. Okay. So, but that doesn't take that long. And um, then throughout the day, I'll be checking things out, and maybe I'll upload something to Instagram from my phone. With Instagram, I, I do iPhone only, and everything's processed on the iPhone, so I keep that kind of separate. Um, but that's just more like on the fly. Oh, here's an interesting uh, building. I'll take a picture of it, and I'll process it in Snapseed, and I'll put it up to Instagram. Okay. Um, so that's kind of separate. And then LO really, for me, has been the thing that I've missed, which is a really sort of... I used to use maybe my blog for it a little bit more, but a really sort of personal space where I can talk about me and what I'm doing and my photos and a trip I'm on or this or that. And so I'm spending the most time on Ello right now. Wow. Which is my probably my least viewed social network. Yeah. And in large part because of Doug's comment is a good one. I think he, he's not on it because he doesn't have an invite. You know, this invite process that I think has frustrated a lot of people because they have applied and then they can't get in. And why is that? I mean, why are they doing that to just throttle capacity until they yeah. sort of ramp up or is it well, is it I the think, marketing supply and demand thing? Well, I think they got a lot of attention very, very quickly and they weren't really ready for it from a technical standpoint. Mm-hmm. And they had raised some venture capital money and I think they've raised significantly more now. I think they initially raised like four hundred thousand and now they've raised a couple million. So I think they needed to get sort of their infrastructure in place, and I think they're getting that in place, but they were just, I mean, they were on the BBC, on CNN, on, you know, all these sites for about a week there, and they were getting like a million new signups a day, and they just, as a, as a small little network, I don't think they could keep up. So I think they kind of had to do that, 
And now they've loosened the invites up. Basically, you can get, as a LO member today, you can just request more and keep requesting more. Um, and so you can continue to hand them out. But it's still invite only. So it's still very, very slow. Um, but I think that's also you know, slowed its momentum because not everybody can join up. And, yeah. and people bounce off, right? I mean, you know, if it was me and I went there and I couldn't get in, I signed up like Doug and right. I bounced off, uh, chances are I'm probably not going to go back again. I might hear this show and like, okay, I forgot about LO. Let me go check it out again and see if right. I can get in. But you're right. not going to keep hitting, banging your head against the wall, right? Right, right. You're not. You're not. And and I and I think you know you get in some cases one. You get one opportunity to make a first impression, right? And exactly. so if you didn't make it there, then you know with a lot of users. But I think Elo's okay with that because I don't think it's trying to be the next Facebook. As much as people keep comparing them to Facebook, I think that that for them, if they have one one-hundredth of one percent of the Facebook users, but they're high-quality, interesting, creative types, and it's a vibrant, lush social network where these this group of people that maybe in the end it's only, you know, 10 million people as opposed to, you know, billions of people on, on Facebook, I think they're fine with that. I think they're, yeah. you know, I, I don't think they're trying to become this mammoth, you know, be all and end all uh, that Facebook is. I mean, yeah. So, so, so I don't, I don't mind the invite process. You know, it, it's a little harder to get in, but if you if you don't care enough not to come back, maybe you're not the type of person that should have been on it in the first place. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, to continue our party metaphor, you know. Facebook would be the rave in the warehouse with people running around in diapers and pacifiers, and then you've got, you've got Ello, which is across the street. It's a cocktail party where people can, you know, just kind of mingle and talk and have more, have deeper conversations. Right? For all the hipsters, it's the hipster cocktail party. The hipster cocktail party, yeah. So. <laughs> Doug, what about you? I mean, how do how are you managing the networks that that you're a member of right now, and and keeping on top of stuff? I you you mentioned before you're heading in San Francisco to test some cameras and all that. How do you do that as well as keep up with your Twitter, your Facebook, your Instagram? You know, I don't know if you're on Pinterest. It just you know it goes on and on. You'll be on Ello. How does that work? Well, first of all, I'm now on Ello. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, <laughs> and I have this image of hipsters in diapers. I can't get out of my head. <laughs> And the pacifier. Uh, you got to have the pacifier. There we go. And, and don't hipsters, aren't they all smoking those electric cigarettes now? Isn't that part of being hipster? Oh, uh, the E-cigs. The E-cigs, yeah. Um, but, uh, well, I'm, I'm almost a Luddite when it comes to social networking. And I was much bigger into it before. But, you know, I'm posting. I, I tend to post. I export from Lightroom. My images, I almost only post images. I don't do anything else. Um, they go to Google+. Plus. I copy and paste, put the exact same thing on Facebook because I'm serving different audiences there. Yeah. And uh, the only time I turn to Twitter is when I've got something exciting to say, like a new episode of All About the Gear. It's it's gotten that much because it's you know it it's it took up too much out of my life. I'd rather be doing photography than spending my time on social media. But you know I have a hand followers versus 11 million. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I don't you know. Get, I mean, at some you point, get, you, you know, you get what you I've, ask for, right? 
I've considered declaring social media bankruptcy. Let me tell you, man. Yeah. <laughs> and just saying, you know what? You know who did that? Scott Board or someone did that. He's like, you know what? I'm done with all of this stuff. I'm gonna consider. I'm gonna focus on this other stuff now. You know, and I, you know, I have a good number of followers. Nowhere near Thomas Hawk there, but you know, there's a gravity there, right? You know, Thomas Hawk. I don't think you could walk away. You're like Jupiter when it comes to social media, and you have some pretty strong gravity over there. You could not walk away if you wanted to, could you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. For me, I like it, but I but I look at it differently. You know, I look at it as social media to me is this wonderful avenue to distribute your work to the world. Yeah, and you know, there you could put your work up and have more people see it and have uh, all over the world than if it's in a major art museum anymore. Absolutely, so, yeah. So, you know, for me, I look at that as an artist, and I say, what an amazing distribution tool. And it doesn't matter, you know, how big someone's network is. I think having that distribution tool, you know, 30 years ago, you'd make a picture, and maybe you'd take it down to the local county fair and win second prize and make a little print, and that's all fine. But nobody would see your work, really. I mean, yeah. unless you were somebody famous and you were Ansel Adams and your work was shown in museums, you know, by and large, nobody would see your stuff. And now um, there's no more gatekeepers. There's no museum curators. There's no magazine editors. I mean, they're all still there. They, and that world still exists. But the social media world kind of bypasses all of that and lets mm -hmm. you just say, okay, I'm going direct. You know, I'm just putting it out there. So as an artist, <clears throat> as, and that is a serious distribution vehicle no way could I walk away from that perspective but you know beyond that just as distribution you don't have to interact I mean that can be one-sided right you can just put your stuff up out there just like it's on a website and never interact and but but that would be you know for me I want more out of a social network and so so what I really have always valued has been community and so whether it's back at Flickr and groups and sort of the early days getting plugged into a lot of those and a lot of community that becomes online that starts out as online and ends up becoming offline, you know, real meaningful, significant relationships. So yeah. many, many of my friends, my closest friends, uh, are people that I've met online through social media that now we spend all kinds of offline time and go on trips together and go shoot and, and all of that. So I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to say I'm, I don't want to say I have to have that, but I think that's a very compelling reason or something that I've found. I mean, you have to be careful, too, because there's a lot of crazy people out there. But, you know, you, there's some pretty cool people, and, and I've found interacting with those people through social media. And Ello right now is where I'm doing that interacting, but let more than any other site. But, I mean, I, I don't – I love that personally. I thrive on that. So, so, but, the, I, so I think there's the, there's the production side and the presentation side, and then there's the social side. And I, yeah. I, love, I love both. And, I, and I'll reinforce that, e even though I'm my activity has dwindled a bit. Uh, as Thomas said, I've made a I've made you know long-term friends on social media. Um, you know, if I go different places in the world, I've always got people to connect with and uh, shoot with and have dinner with and have a drink with. And uh, uh, some of these you know people I've met online, as Thomas says, are now some of my very closest friends. So, um, uh, and. And there's the whole concept of you know, relationships that are only online, uh, people right. I never will meet, and they're very close to me also. So I, it's very important. Yeah, it is. And, and I'll you know, take it from a, simp a, a separate direction. Um, it's an asset 
now, right? This is an asset that you wouldn't have had, Thomas, you know, say 10 years ago. Now, with these millions and millions of followers, there's a direct correlation to things that you promote and revenue and, you know, and just oh, overall yeah. influence as a photographer, right? You know, people look, look at you, they look at those numbers, and they're like, oh, come on in, Mr. Hawk, have a seat in the front, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, no, there's no doubt. And I mean, and I think more and more that people are going to find that they're that there is economic value to that, that there is from a business standpoint. I mean, I just, uh, you know, this last month I, you know, I did a, uh, I, I mean, I, it's no secret, you know, I did a photo walk with Microsoft. I got paid to do that. You know, I did a, mm -hmm. uh, um, a deal with Canon, wrote some blog posts, which I love Canon. So I'm happy to endorse it. I've been using it for 10 years, yeah. but you know, Canon approaches me and says, Hey, we want to, you know, we want to give you some cash to write about your lenses. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Sure. Why not? Right. So, um, right. You know, from my perspective, I mean, I've had people that have offered me money to talk about gear and stuff in the past as well, and I've turned down plenty of times because I don't use it, and I'm not going to, if someone says, oh, well, you should really, this is, you know, if it's a crappy lens, I'm not going to do it. But, you know, if, the, if there's stuff, and I think as people try, as the big brands try to consider, you know, how do we get into this social space? It's obviously from a marketing standpoint, yeah, okay, we, so we can put ads on Facebook, and we can do these different things, but I think they're going to be looking more and more at people on social media and say, "Hey, let's partner with that guy. He's using our product, or, or or woman. She's using, you know, this product that we already have. So at minimum, they're going to be sending them a bunch of free stuff. I mean, I get a lot of that already. But then it's going to be, "Hey, what what can we do together? You like our product, uh, but I'm sure you're seeing this too as well yourself. I mean, you have a very prominent uh, show, and 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 so there are going to be people that are going to say, "Hey, you know." I'm sure you get pitched all the time. Absolutely, stuff, absolutely. That's that's you know I I was shooting with uh, Lumix Panasonic Lumix gear before I even started working with them, and just like you said, they saw hey you're working with this, you know help us get the word out about it. You know why not? And yeah. you know as a result of just the fact that I have a reasonably high um, what is it what's what's the rating clout score? You right. know Sony contacted me to come and review the A7 and the A7R launch that they did just be, I think you know I think it's probably other things as well but sure. that was one of the factors so, hey you got to let's look at these people they're a photographer and have a high cloud score let's use them you know it's pretty brute force like that right well and it's smart and to a certain degree that's where the Google Plus stuff kicks in as well because the way that Google Google tailors search results if you're following somebody, so somebody's got seven million followers, you're following them, and you search for a topic that they've written about, that's going to be on the front page. Right. So right. where where certain brands are starting to get smart is they're saying, okay, well look, you know, people are going to be searching for my camera, and if this person's talking about my camera on say Google Plus, anybody that follows them is going to see that if they search for this camera. So yeah. there's a lot yeah. of aspects to it. I mean, there's search, there's social, there's getting the word out, and you know, I think, you know, frankly, I think brands are smart. You know, I think they say, oh, we can spend, you know, $10,000 for, you know, an ad in this magazine, this photo magazine that nobody reads anymore. Or we can, you know, go online and find, you know, somebody on Facebook or, or, or Twitter or, or Flickr or wherever, Google Plus, that's doing something interesting yeah. and partner up. Or someone with an amazingly popular, cool podcast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
about <laughs> photography. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, know it's a path of least resistance here. You know, <laughs> I want to I want to throw out one thing that's probably relevant to a, a larger section of our audience, though, which is Thomas mentioned the value of exposure, getting your images out there. You know, most of us would never have our images in galleries and so forth. And now, what an opportunity! The fact is to get your images out there and to help you learn. Uh, I think that social media in the last three, four years has been a fairly significant contributor to my improvement as a photographer, yeah. um, both in terms of getting feedback and in terms of looking at other people's images and giving feedback. And I think that's something that needs to be um, made, a, made a point of here, which is that the real value is, as a photographer, is interacting with other photographers, looking at and sharing your own images. Uh, that's going to work. For, that's going to work for people that, even if they only have a handful of followers. Yeah, I'll agree with that. As long as soon as Doug started following me and looking at all my images, I noticed his photography got a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. All right, you know, we'll you know, leave the, that. The, the, the problem, <laughs> the problem with that comment. The problem with that comment is that it's true. It no, no, no. And no, Thomas, Thomas knows that. Thomas knows that because Thomas has. He knows this. We've talked about this. He has been an influence on me, and uh, not that everybody else hasn't too. But uh, I love his work, and uh, and we've, we 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 share. Sometimes we share a common style. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, and yeah. I've been in, and I and I I've. Uh, I just copy Frederick, so really. Oh, here we go. Now it's getting deep, right now. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, we're gonna. Uh, I want to thank our the next sponsor for this episode of Twip, and that's our good friends over at FreshBooks.com. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by FreshBooks, the easy cloud solution helping millions of small business owners save time invoicing and get paid faster. You know, as photographers, we capture moments feelings, vistas, all that cool stuff, even perspectives. But what we don't think to capture sometimes is the income picture of our businesses. You know, income, your expenses, your billable time, all that stuff. And I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because capturing all those things is boring. That's a simple fact. It's just boring doing that. We'd rather be out taking pictures. Now, thankfully, FreshBooks offers small business owners and freelancers a way to keep track of their time and money without breaking your workflow or lifestyle. You can invoice your clients. You can do it in mere minutes. Expenses can be automatically imported so you don't have to lift a finger. You can track billable time. Basically, they take the hassle out of running your photography business by joining millions of freelancers and entrepreneurs using FreshBooks to run their businesses. So really cool stuff. And this week in photo and basically anything I do personally business-wise is run using FreshBooks. And I've been doing it for several years now and I can't tell you how much time it has saved me in terms of headache and following up with clients and billing and getting paid, all that stuff. You know, their tagline is it, it, it says, you know, let me read it here. It says it helps you save time invoicing and get paid faster. And that's exactly what it did for, did for me. I had a stack of things that I had to do, you know, people to reach out to, to, you know, bug about getting paid or all these different things. And once I imported everything into FreshBooks, it basically said, okay, Frederick, yeah, we got this. And they took it over and I get paid, you know, and it just works. I don't think I would be able to run my business as efficiently as I do without 
FreshBooks. So definitely check them out. And FreshBooks, our sponsor for this episode, is free to try for This Week in Photo listeners. All you got to do is go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section to start your free trial. So get out there, capture some beautiful moments and your business finances. Just go to freshbooks.com slash twip and enter twip in the how did you hear about us section. All right, guys, before we end the show, let's dive into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, you guys can pick anything to recommend to the TWIP audience as long as it is somehow related to photography. Doug K., I'm going to let you go first. What is your Pick of the Week? You know, my Pick of the Week, I want you to know uh, that I picked this before I even saw the show notes, before I knew what we were going to talk about tonight. And my Pick of the Week is Lightroom Mobile, which is free if you're a Lightroom user, I think, or at least if you're a Creative Cloud user. And let me tell you why. Because I'm still looking for the ultimate way to get a portfolio onto my mobile devices uh, as pain-free as possible. And Lightroom Mobile is quite remarkable in that you take a collection, you tag it to sync to your, your mobile device, and it's just there. And if you... If you want to change the sequence, you can edit it on either side. It'll immediately be reflected in the other. Um, it's the simplest way to get a portfolio onto an iOS or Android device if you're a Lightroom user. So I love it. Yeah. It's free. Check it out. Yeah, caveat. Yes, it is free, but you have to have an Adobe Creative Cloud subscription in order to use it, right? Yeah. And I'll bet more yeah. and more of our listeners do. No, yeah, they do, but still, you got to have that subscription anyway, to use it. So. That's, that's my pick, and um, I, I, I only I only wish one thing, and that is that the the web version that you get to see would be better. The web version is sort of useless, and if they would if they would link their Behance product uh, into their Lightroom Mobile, they'd have a killer app there. Yeah, well, you got to leave them some room to you know iterate yeah, and improve on better. stuff. Anyway. Awesome. Good, excellent pick. Thomas Hawk, do you have a pick of the week for us? Okay. Well, we already talked about the iMac, so I'm not going to yes, mention it again. You but, can pick it if you want. No, no, no. no, no. That'd be too easy. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm going to go with Analog FX Pro 2. Mm. Oh. It's a wonderful photo processing uh, package uh, that was put out by the Nick people, actually, that Google right. bought. The Google product now, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's that team that built it and the same people behind Snapseed. Um, the stuff that I, you know, I, I don't get excited about photo processing tools very easily. I mean, we have Lightroom, and Lightroom is the core engine that I do everything in. Mm -hmm. But the ability, I mean, that's it's a very, very good sort of effects, film emulation um, sort of tool. And, and I find myself more and more running photos through that application and, and it's got a Lightroom plug-in, so you just plug it into Lightroom and then just bring it from Lightroom after you make your edits right in there. And uh, and you can do a lot. It's got a lot of motion blur, a lot of textures, a lot of different things like that. So that's my pick. I, I, I love it. I think, they've, I think they've got a free trial version of it. Um, yeah. But uh, Or you could buy it. I, I don't know how much it is. It's probably like 100 bucks or something. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's so many cool tools out there for us. And then it just yeah. oh, I know. They keep yeah. coming. So my my pick before we before we move on is so like me like many others got a new phone a couple of weeks ago you know I have got an iPhone six not the big one got the regular iPhone six and I took it to New York with me 
and I did some, uh, well, myself and Julio Shorio were wandering around Times Square, and we did some time-lapse photography with this thing. Dude, <laughs> you know, it is so easy to make killer time-lapses with this. You usually want to make everything into a time-lapse with this. Wow. You know, and uh, you know, you 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 know, I have a little type tripod clamp so you can put on tripod, set it up, frame it, find something with motion in it, hit the button, that's it. You're done. You know, does the whole thing. One trick in the iPhone uh, photograph or photo app is if you tap and hold on the screen, it will expose your lock to that area. You know, so it won't change the exposure as the lighting changes as you yeah. you know. Things in the scene change, so if you tap and hold, it'll lock it, so you get a much more professional-looking time-lapse. I did that. This thing, you know, as a result of that, I just wandered around New York City taking photos with my iPhone, and I'm just blown away by the quality of the photos I can get from something that I just slip in my pocket. You know. So is that unique to the iPhone 6? You can't do that with the iPhone 5? I'm not sure. It might be unique to just iOS 8, um, because I never put iOS 8 on my iPhone 5S. So you, if you have an iPhone 5S, check and see in the Photos app. I've got, yeah. Yeah, check and see if it's got time lapse in there. Um, if it does, and you're in business. Otherwise, you know, maybe it's only on iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. But regardless, wherever it is, that is a killer feature. If you have it, play oh, it with it. Time lapse. Yeah, I see. Is it that? There you go. There, right? Time lapse. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yes. All right, I'll, I'm gonna play with this. Yeah, Dude. I'm still on the 5s. I haven't, I haven't uh, gotten the big six thing yet. Yeah, if you have a glyph or one of those things that allows you to stick your your iPhone on a tripod or something, yeah. stick it on a tripod, aim it at something that moves, and let it roll. You know, and I, cool. I was, it was, the, it was yesterday. I was check, getting ready to check out of my hotel room in New York City to fly back, and I set the, I set it up on a tripod before I jumped in the shower and did a street scene. I put this up on Insta on Instagram. You can check it out on my profile. Um, I did a just not a street scene, but a, a skyline scene of the clouds sort of moving over the, the buildings and stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I let it roll, and I got, got in the shower, jumped out, and when I was done, I had this cool time lapse of, you know, clouds changing patterns over these giant buildings and all that, just like that. That's how, well, I'm definitely going to check that out. I, I, I have really not expected one yet. you to say that we were going to have a time lapse of your shower. That's where I thought this was going. Oh. <laughs> it ain't that kind of show, man. I uh, no wonder why it got so many views on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the lens is wide, but it's not quite that one. Now, <laughs> now, now, now have you uh, have you played with hyperlapse, the Instagram one? No, not yet. I play. I did a couple of shots with hyperlapse. I haven't played with it in depth yet. Have you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I played around with that a little bit. I, I just wonder how it compares. I wonder how those two are. I wonder if it's a similar sort of thing. I love yeah. the hyperlapse. I've made a couple of those, like the airplane taking off and and uh, and the uh, Chicago and the United Terminal with all the neon and the walkway and all that. But nice. I think probably the main difference they limit you, they limit the duration on a hyperlapse to like 15 seconds, right? Well, they limit it to what you can publish. I think to 15 seconds or to 10 seconds. 10 or 15, okay. I think it's 15. Yeah, but you can make it as long as you want. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Same with that with the Apple app, and it's not yeah. Square, obviously. So you can right. you can you know this thing you could let it run overnight if you if you had the battery life for it. And yeah. well, and hyperlapse is not Square either, but it's only okay. if you want to publish it to Instagram that it becomes Square. So you can ah. just save it on your camera roll as a as a you know hyperlapse as a uh, video and post it someplace else or full size. But 
I'm 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 gonna play with it. I'm definitely bitten by the time lapse slash hyperlapse bug. It's just yeah, it's really cool to compress time. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's great. I love it too. I I need. To, I, I'm definitely gonna try that. I didn't even know I had that on this uh, since I updated the OS. Yeah, it's beautiful. I want to do a quick write up about it too because it was is brain dead easy. And I had a I I got this little tool that screws to the top of your tripod. It's basically like an egg timer. Um, with a with a uh, a tripod screw on the top of it, and you crank the thing, put your camera on it, and it smoothly pans, you know, as it's doing the time lapse. So hmm. you get the pan, the, the time lapse with the pan through the scene, you know. Oh, nice. And nice. It, the thing costs like thirty bucks, and it just yeah. makes it look like you're, you know, some Hollywood studio or something. So I'll put a link to it in the blog post. But it's Start calling uh, it Hollywood, Frederick. I know, man. I'm the multimediographer. What can I say? Yeah, Come on. That's good. <laughs> All right, guys. We are at the end of the show. Before we close the show, I want to thank our final sponsor for this episode of TWIP, and that's my personal friend, uh, Nate Grayhack, over at StickyAlbums.com. When Sticky Albums founder Nate Grayhack was working as a professional photographer, he used to hand out paper business cards until one client finally told him that she really didn't like carrying paper around in her pockets. That was the inspiration for Nate founding Sticky Albums. It's a service that makes it super simple to create a custom mobile photo app for each of your clients. As a business owner, you'll love Sticky Albums because you can customize your galleries per client with your own logo and contact information. And as your clients share their app with all of their friends and family, it's like they're passing out digital business cards for you. And Nate and his team have just released a brand new version of Sticky Albums with some cool new features this year that has already won a PPA Hot One Award. And be sure to check out the Sticky Albums blog to learn how wedding photographer Sal Sincata created a simple Sticky Album for a popular wedding venue in his city that skyrocketed his word-of-mouth referrals. And for the TWIP audience, Nate has provided the discount code TWIP, T-W-I-P, that will knock $40 off your annual membership, including unlimited apps. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Doug K., where can people go to check you out online? Let me guess, well, Ello. Now they can go to Ello and find <laughs> Doug K. there. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, but uh, the best places are DougK.com. That's my portfolio site. And from there, links to everywhere else. And, of course, all about the gear on the TWIP network. Yes, absolutely. All right, and Mr. Thomas Hawk, as if. Put right? Thomas Hawk into Google and you'll – you know, it's everywhere. You know, the Google Plus <laughs> Thomas Hawk, Flickr Thomas Hawk, Ello Thomas Hawk. Although Ello is where I'm hanging out more these days. If you want to hang out and chat, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. Uh, is it safe to say that your two main places that you hang out are Ello and Flickr? Well, I probably it's trying to hang out. I mean, I publish photos to Flickr and Google Plus and Facebook, but no, I don't really hang out on those sites as much. I hang out more on Ello. Okay. Right now, but you know, for now. I mean, I, I do interact on those sites on Flickr and Facebook and Google Plus, and I, you know, someone's I have conversations there, but I'm just not. They're not like uh, where I'm really kind of going and hanging out and chatting with people. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. And you know, this time, 18 months, two years from now, we'll be having a different conversation because right. things keep changing. It just keeps changing. So, right. yeah, and right. that's you know, it's funny. I had a conversation with Trey a while back. Trey Ratcliffe. And, you know, I, I think it was about the secret to his millions of followers and how he keeps up on them. And one of his secrets was he it's stick and move, man. He, he you know, he, don't stick to any one particular network. And if you see something else pop up, don't be afraid. Don't be 
I'm not talking to you, Doug. Don't be the Luddite. <laughs> Don't be the Luddite saying, you know, I'm not playing over there. You got to you gotta go get your name and, and jump in and see how it is early. Right? Oh, you so, do. You do. I mean, I, I'm surprised anytime some new site comes around how much resistance there always is to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, that sucks. That sucks. I, you know, I'm too invested in this site. And I think Trey's right, man. You gotta—I mean, at minimum, go, go there and get your name. You know, even if you don't use it, you know, before somebody else does, get you know, lock your name in. And and uh, but you know, I I love new things, man. The, something new, you know. I I'm always I'm like Trey that way. I want to jump into it and play with it and get into it. So right, right. It's a it's a playground, and they keep giving us new new toys to play in the sand with. So yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Um, thank you both for coming on. It's always a pleasure thank having you. Thank you, Frederick. It always is a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. Thomas, I promise to get you off that band list. I'm going to do my best. Yeah. I know people. Yeah. I know people at Twip HQ. I will get you off, <laughs> off the band list. There we go. Yeah. I, th- I, thought, it was, right. I thought it was because I, I had those four bottles of wine last time and started taking my clothes off. But Yeah, no, no. That would have made it a better yeah. show. But, you know, hey, I got mine, and it's, it's, you know, it's, almost, it's almost second fill-up time. Yeah, me too, for sure. All right, and listeners, be sure to visit our brand new website over at thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find all of our shows, including Doug's show, All About the Gear, and many, many more. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. Weekend Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.